This episode of Nintendo Podblock is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our Fennial podcast, head over to patreon.com slash bossrushmedia or search for us on the Patreon app on your smart device. Thanks for helping us build something better. Everybody, welcome to Nintendo Power Block here on Boss Rush Games. I'm the Light Tennis Side of ADV. Joining me is the one, the only bossman himself, Mr. Corey Derrick. Hello, good sir. Hello, I'm going to fuse this microphone to my monitor and make a Jumbotron. Yes. Uh, I don't know what that means. It's fine. In Somebody will get it. <laughs> it's, it is his turn. It is his time to shine. The one, the only. Daniel, hello, good sir. Hey, what's going on? I don't, I uh, can't think of anything to fuse, but I could fuse my switch to my hands and probably be a lot happier. Uh, how about uh, fusing like a cheeseburger to, I don't know, some nacho fries or something? Oh, don't talk about food right now. My whole body hurts from eating so much <laughs> this weekend. Oh wow. Well, uh, Daniel, how was your weekend? It was good. Uh, I ended up having to work today, but it wasn't the worst. Um, although something weird did happen. Um, it's Palm Sunday when we're recording this. And at my job, I sit. I was at the front desk and a woman mm-hmm. walked up to me with her palms and started hitting me in the face with them. And she was like, I'm blessing you with good luck. And I was like, I don't think so. You're hitting me with stuff. <laughs> so, so be careful out there. You're hitting me with stuff. Oh, wow. so weird. <laughs> That's uh, funny. Uh, I work what with about you? Oh, go ahead. Uh, what about you, Corey? It was it was good. We uh we celebrated my son's birthday this weekend. He turned two, so of course you know a two year old has to get uh Casa del Rio catering and birthday cake. So you know it was it was fun. It it was it was it was a small party, uh, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, he's still playing with all of his toys and is very upset when we say it's time to go to bed and he can't take them with him. So, you know, it's cool. He got this little car track toy though, where like has like six different levers and buttons and spinning things at the bottom, and we put it together and. There's like all the different buttons and levers, like control different bridges and like a ramp and and like a swinging kind of thing and a helicopter. And it's cool, man. And like you just you just like make the car go when it gets to one of the obstacles. You have to figure out which lever or button goes with the right obstacle. And then once you figure it out, the car keeps going. It's so cool. It's really cool. I played it with it for like an abnormal amount of time for an adult, but that's fine. All right. Uh, well, for me, um, I was supposed to get our, well, we were supposed to get our floors done Thursday night. So it was supposed to be my second night or second time doing overnight. And, you know, I got the associates out. Um, I had the money in the back uh, for me to count, you know, have my dinner and everything. And the guys, they get there. I showed them to the back where 
they need all the stuff. I'm like, okay, this is where they, this is where they put the stuff. And he was just like, do you have this particular kind of wax? And I was just like, everything should be there. Like we didn't, uh, I'm like, they did the ordering and everything. And we had it sit here and they moved everything here. And he's just like, we cannot do the floors without this wax. So I spent a whole hour talking to my store manager to find out whoever has this wax, can we get some? Problem is, I can't leave the store because I'm the only manager there uh, with these, with the people, uh, with the floor care people. And no other store had the wax. So they couldn't do the floor. I found a number. I ordered six boxes of the wax. And uh, I got to wait for it to come in. And now I got to wait. This is going to be my third time trying to do it overnight so they could do our floors. Oh. And I'm like, are you serious? Hmm. Well, sorry, Ed. That's, uh, you should you should stock the right wax. We had, <laughs> they're thinking that the manager who came before us threw out that wax. Uh, and I'm like, oh, you serious? So I ordered it. Uh, I didn't sign no paperwork. We all like seeing me and the other guy. He seen me do the ordering. Uh, so hopefully, because it's Friday, we're going to get in touch with them. Touchdown base. Be like, we got the wax. We got everything. Uh, we are ready to do this, uh, get this floor wax. Cause you know, I have my switch. Um, I had, uh, my games. I like, I have my food in there and I, my food was very simple. I had a, uh, a drink, um, like a grape crush. Um, I had a, a, a small sandwich, um, and I had just some chips. I didn't go overboard. Wasn't trying to eat. Uh, all this fat food and I wasn't trying to do all of that. We're trying to have a nice, I won't say balanced meal, but a meal to keep me awake, I should say. And they canceled. So I just put that stuff in the refrigerator. I'm like, this would be good till tomorrow. And that was my Friday lunch. (laughs) Uh, yesterday, I mean, on Friday. Um, other than that, just working and analyzing a certain trailer that we are going to be touching down on everybody. Uh, and I'm excited to have that discussion. Yeah, so. we're going to have a big discussion. So hope you uh, brought your Zelda pants because that's, that's what we're talking about, everybody. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, I was trying to save it, boss. You should have said. Well, too late. Look, if they clicked on the video or listened to the podcast and saw the title or looked at the thumbnail, they know what we're talking about. Okay. Well, they, <laughs> well shoot, it could have been about E3. Nobody's talking about E3. Nobody cares about E3. E3's dead. I care, I care about E3. No, you don't. You care yes, about I the do. idea of E3. You don't care about E3. I care. Yes, I do. I no. care about E3. Well, good, good news, Ed. Uh, Jeff Keeley's Summer Game Fest is happening, so... Uh. You say it's time for Keeley 3. Uh, let me go buy some alcohol, drink myself to sleep. Oh, and, but I need you to take notes. Because you take <laughs> notes and I just watch like an idiot. So. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
I'm prepared to watch that wreck fest of a show and try to figure out. Oh, maybe it'll be good this year, Ed. You don't know. Won't be E3, that's for sure. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Dave. If you want to be a Patreon producer, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Media, and find out which tier is right for you. Our Patreon producers at the $5 tier or higher for this month are Adriel Munger, Austin Campbell, Celeste Roberts, Christian S., Sana Dierig, Francisco Santillan, and Rebecca Jewell. Thank you for your continued support. Well, <laughs> well, with that air bright, it's time for Snack Tando. Corey, go ahead. What have you been snacking on? Well, we got Casadoria catering, so we got to make our own uh, tacos and burritos. And uh, so we ordered the feeds 10 to 12 people, and there was 15 people at our party, and we still brought home another tray and ate it tonight for lunch and still had leftovers. So, uh, and that includes me eating more tacos than I care to admit. So, they were, uh, they were really tasty. I love Casa del Rio, it is so good. Um, did you so, make any and, burritos or well, just well, that I, well, we, we got a lot of the taco shells, and uh-huh. so I had a lot of the tacos, dude. Their, their crunchy taco shells are so light and crispy. And they're uh, like, I had never like, I haven't had their ground beef since last year when we did this. (laughs) And like, I forgot how good their ground beef was. It is so good. It's so it's really like, it has just the right amount of seasoning on it. And Mm -hmm. man, when you put some cheese on there and a little bit of the, you know, grilled vegetables and some of the, the Spanish rice. mm, Hmm. Delicious. See, I would be Perfect. jealous of the spinach rice because I think I would just be eating tons of it. You'd be like, "Oh wow, I'll... we have more if you want some. I can just mail it to you." <laughs> uh, uh, but else? what I did, what I did to the, uh, before... the crunchy, what I did for the crunchy tacos. Okay, mm-hmm. so they bought the street corn dip for the chips. Uh, we we bought it separate. We didn't buy it from there. But what I did was I spread it on a soft shell taco. I spread the corn dip and then wrapped the crunchy taco shell in that and then ate it and it was amazing and that is on our uh itinerary in yeah, september right there. yep yep by the way uh, tickets went on sale for the cleveland gaming classic which i'm excited for uh it's 87 dollars for the whole weekend it's like man that's pretty cheap oh so i need to buy my ticket there yeah uh so hey can you send me the link uh no. Sure, I'll send it to you. Thank you. Although uh, I'm kind of mad because I inquired about how, how like about us being media and how we, if we if there's any special way we should be covering this event. I I emailed them 3 times and they still have yet to get back with me, so little uh sparse on their communication, we'll say. So Okay. Sorry, that was my rant about that. But yeah. and it's what Saturday is Sunday, right? It is Saturday and Sunday. I think it's Friday also, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. But also, yeah. there's an after party, which is from like six to ten, and it's just like 
bunch of arcade stuff and there's arcade tournaments and uh, I think the big tournament this year is a Street Fighter 2 tournament and I, I think there's a Tekken tournament this year now so that's cool hmm. nice yeah. uh, anything else Corey or just birthday cake man birthday cake mm. chocolate birthday cake with icing like the good icing not like not like the um, dear, I'm, I've got all these allergies. I gotta have like the whipped the cream, toothpaste, the toothpaste uh, uh, <laughs> icing. No, it was good. I'm just kidding. If you have food allergies, I'm sorry, but I had to make. That I love that buttercream. I totally had it was buttercream. Yes. So, oh man, I had like <laughs> I had like five pieces of birthday cake in two days. <laughs> nice. To be fair, uh, they were squares. They were little squares like this. They weren't like the big wedges, but still. I complain about how fat I am, and then I eat five pieces of cake and wonder why. You know, I'm one of those people. I'm like the people at McDonald's who get a Diet Coke, and then they're like, "Why did I gain weight?" Because eh. you got two the, number I'm, ones. What <laughs> your salad every meal? <laughs> what, Daniel? The, the I've added a salad to every meal. Why am I not losing weight? Yeah, right. That guy. Uh, yep. You're small though, so. I mean, you look small. It, it just kind of bows out mm. below the camera. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel, uh, where have you been snacking on? So I went to a place called Smashburger. <gasps> I don't know. You guys have that out there? Uh, I, I we, we used to, but I got to see. I think they relocated uh, in our area. Uh, we don't have it, but I know what it is, and I've heard good things about it. Yeah, so I got a burger and fries that were really good. Um, they have like their own like house sauce for their burgers. Mm-hmm. That's like almost kind of like a spicy mustard sort of sauce, and it was really good. Um, I hadn't been in a long time because I had gotten like a chicken sandwich from there like six years ago. That was like criminally raw to the point where I'm pretty sure I got some sort of mild form of food poisoning. So uh, I had to door dash something to my work today and that was like the only thing nearby. So I was like, Oh, here we go. But um, it turned out to be really good. So I definitely go back and recommend it if it's in your area. I'm not sure how widespread they are. I know they're a pretty big chain, but I don't know if they're everywhere. It sounds like, they're not everywhere because you guys don't have one too close. Yeah, they're they're not like local or anything. For me, I they're normally by our malls uh, and everything. Um, mm-hmm. So, but the one mall that I have to go to, they have it like it's a place called Redding Hills. They have it there close to, to that area. Um, the one in Gurney, they don't have one there, so I kind of got to go out like twenty five minutes to go get one. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't think it's probably worth traveling. It's not traveling good, but when you're stuck at work and can only basically get one food delivered from one place, not, not mm-hmm. a bad option. So I know for me, I could get Chili's, Denny's, um, Jimmy John's, uh, Chipotle. Delivered to me. Uh, not so much pot bellies. Pot bellies don't deliver. 
anything. And I'm just like, man, I, I'd be wanting a sandwich. So, oh, and Domino's, of course. I'd be like, man, I'd be wanting a sandwich, sandwich and some soup from Potbelly's, but they don't deliver. So I'd be like, oh, dang it. You got to be careful if you're eating Denny's. That can be a recipe for disaster. Well, well with Denny's, I, it's, it's very rare that I order from Denny's. And, gotcha. and if I... Yeah, if I do order, it's mostly like the breakfast stuff, like the moves over Miami, uh, kind of thing. I I'll order that for breakfast, and if I normally do it now, I'll do it on like on a Sunday if I'm at work. Other than yeah. that, I shoot Denny's be closing sometimes. Like at they'll open up like at one o'clock in the afternoon and then be closed by seven o'clock at night. Be like, dang, <laughs> like kind of kind of hours is this? But I, there's a lot of I didn't know that there was a lot of places that they have to uh, set certain hours of their opening and closing because of uh, employment. They just don't have enough employees. Gotcha. Because Wendy's is supposed to, or Denny's is supposed to be your like 24 hour like kind of the munchy type place. Mm-hmm. And they changed all of they stopped doing 24 hours after the pandemic happened. Wow. Maybe yep. they just figure like one to seven is like peak insatiable craving time. But it's weird because like at at midnight or one o'clock in the morning, that's when they start making all the business because everybody uh, like we have a Christian college by us and a lot of the students, they go there, you know, kind of like after their service or the study or have their discussions, they go there. Um, sometimes drag performers, they go there. Uh, people who are on dates so or getting out the movies go the Denny's because it's the only place that's open. So when it's like at one o'clock at night, you know, they get packing, they get busy. So y'all about to make a good 400 some dollars. You know, and the tipping is about to be on point because I'm like, if you got all of these plus five and more people and they got to add gratitude to it, oh, y'all about to make some money. Yeah, seriously. It's the same with IHOP. Oh, shoot. IHOP, they shut it down. (laughs) (laughs) IHOP be like, we are locking our doors at 10 o'clock. You should have been here at 9 a.m. Goodbye. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) So, but IHOP is good. Wow. Well, uh, for me, everybody kind of heard my story. I got some cosmic brownies um, mm. for little Debbie's. Uh, that was my little snack for the overnight shift. Um, didn't really order. Didn't really do that much like weird foods or candy um, this week. And drinking a lot of water. Kind of. I've been a good boy um, this week. Um, I did have a Whopper, though, from Burger King. There uh, it is. Some fries. There it is. Uh, I had that for lunch today um, because I had had it eaten for a while. I was going to get a uh, gyro uh, Saturday night, but I came home after work and fell into darkness. And when I woke up, it was 4 o'clock Sunday morning. I'm like, okay. So... And I was just like, oh, Corey texts me. I'll, I'll write him back in the morning. <laughs> I'm not about to wake him up. And you didn't text me back until I texted you back. I did text you back. Are you alive? Well, I asked if you were alive. 
Not that one. I'm talking about I would fell asleep Saturday night. You text me like at 9.30 Saturday and I was dead asleep. And when I woke up and I seen the text, it was 4 a.m. Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. You know, not, the, not you know? the few texts that you sent me. I told you I was alive. I believe you. Okay. So, but everybody, now it's time for Play With Power. Daniel, what have you been playing with power? So, uh, the thing of probably less interest was I started playing Digimon Next World Order on Switch, obviously. Yes. Which just released a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two at this point. But um, it's not awesome. Like, it's cool and I enjoy it. It's basically like Sims meets Pokemon. That's probably about it. There's not a whole <laughs> Meet, meets semi open world. Mm-hmm. Sounds meets, riveting. Uh, it sounds like you're real excited to keep playing. <laughs> uh, it's a lot like having like a Tomagachi pet type thing for those who remember uh, that. Um, it, it's not terrible. It just, it's, it seems like it's a very niche thing that like, mm-hmm. if you like Digimon and you kind of like Pokemon and you kind of like Sims and, you kind of like Tomagachi thing. At least one of those things might pull you in, but probably definitely not recommended for the average gamer who's just like, what should I play today? Because it, it's very specific, and a lot of times it's boring. But if you find value in those specific things I previously mentioned, you'd probably enjoy it quite a bit. If you do I wonder, not, you probably won't. <laughs> I wonder if the last Digimon game that came out has hurt that series in a series. Survive? Yeah. Cyber Sleuth. That's the only one I know because that name's funny. <laughs> so Cyber Sleuth is actually pretty fun. Um, and Survive isn't bad as long as you understand what you're getting into. That you're playing a visual mm-hmm. novel. You're not really, you're not playing an SRPG. Like it's, it, there's elements of it but you're playing a visual novel. You're you're pointing and clicking a lot. You're not strategically locating Digimon on a map. So they should probably a lot make... of talking. Yeah, they should probably create that Digimon game where you're strategically moving them across a map because everybody apparently wants that if they want a Digimon game at all, which is probably not a huge portion of people anyway. Mm. But they, it's fun because they always try different things with their games and the results are always so mixed but part of it the fun is that it is so every game is so different like cyber sleuth is a jrpg survive is a visual novel whatever you'd like to classify next world order as it's a digimon world game Mm -hmm. doesn't really match anything else too much other than like pokemon if you're looking to have po- the Pokemon be way needier and require far more attention. Hmm. I don't like I those like Pokemon to be needy. I would like a Digimon 2D beat 'em up game. I think they kind of have that with like it's like called like Digimon Ready to Rumble or something like that for the GameCube, which is basically like Digimon Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. So if you if you ha- like if you have nothing to do, like literally nothing to do, maybe check that out. <laughs> okay, but I'm not sure it's worth digging into the game archive to find that one. Uh, <laughs> Would be or, a guess. 
But the real thing <laughs> I've started playing is, and it's this little indie game called Breath of the Wild. And I'm sure a few other people have started playing that game as well. So I haven't played through the entirety of Breath of the Wild. So um, when I first, so when I first got my Switch, I had a Switch Lite, and playing Breath of the Wild on it was not particularly fun because of the really small screen. Mm-hmm. And now that I've was able to save up and buy like the full Switch, I figured I'd try again, and it's far more fun on like even just the bigger Switch screen, let alone on the TV. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. I played like twenty hours on the Switch Lite and it just kind of like burned out because it's so small and like the switch lights a cool thing and it's great that it's a like a lower cost option but like for that particular game it just kind of zaps the the big open feel of it because it's such a congested little screen yeah i uh breath of the wild like i i played a lot in handheld mode but like for the bigger moments and like when i was really trying to do something the tv I I I refuse to play. I'm pretty sure I'm going to refuse to play Tears of the Kingdom in handheld mode for mm-hmm. any longer stretch than I absolutely have to, right? I mean, you know, it's uh that game requires a big TV and a lot of space and a lot of viewing and uh yeah, uh <coughs> I actually have considered going back to Breath of the Wild a bunch the last like four or five months. I mean, it's too late now for me. It's it's too late. It's too late. It's too late for me now. Uh, just to kind of go. I've actually been playing it a little bit too. Uh, just to kind of get. I've been mostly just roaming the world and getting refamiliarizing myself with the geography and the mechanics of the game. Even though I know the mechanics are going to change for the new one, but you know, just getting used to. Oh well, the stamina meter and shooting the bow and uh switching weapons and doing all that kind of stuff uh and and getting used to the way that the geography works and how a lot of the mechanics work because you know obviously i'm probably gonna spend another 200 hours in this game or more at some point so uh man i checked my timer on breath of the wild uh the other day 241 hours wow yeah, I mean, to be fair, I've pro- over over the last like after I beat it, I probably spent another like twenty or thirty hours just messing around in it over the last couple years, right? Just running around and hunting and collecting resources for no good reason. But uh, I finished that game with like two hundred fifteen hours or so poured into it uh, because, man, every shrine, every Korok seed. All this, all the secret stuff. I 100%ed the map, which was really difficult to do. Like, it was tough, but also fun. And something I think I'm going to do. So every time I think about Breath of the Wild and Zelda, like, I think about doing this massive kind of Zelda project where I'm, where I play through all the games in order just to see how they evolve and kind of record it and see what happens. But uh, I don't know. I still want to do that, but man, Breath of the Wild's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really hoping that they're not going to overcomplicate things with all these new mechanics, you know, 
Although I mm-hmm. thought at first Breath of the Wild was kind of complicated, and then I figured it out, and then it was fine. So, you know. It's but. like a content creator's heaven based on that. Like, the footage they released of, like, combining different things, there's going to be, like, all the videos of, like, I combined this with this, and look what happened. Oh, yeah. we would get to it. Trust I would, me. I would really laugh. I would really laugh if the Banjo-Kazooie amiibo did something hilarious in that game. <laughs> like, if they gave yes. you a pair of yellow shorts or something, that'd be so funny. <laughs> well, oh, is that all, Daniel, that you've been playing? Uh, yep, that's it. All right. Corey, why have you been playing with Power? Um, not, I haven't really been playing a lot, mostly because I'm trying to, I was trying to get our April Patreon stuff, uh, squared away. And, uh, good news, everybody. All your expansion pass episodes are recorded and loaded for the year, for the month. So, uh, yay. Yeah. Uh, and then, so I, I did all the Patreon stuff that we've had available and, um, kind of reworking the schedule and it's been a it's been a long week of getting stuff ready uh so i haven't really played a whole lot uh i did mess around a little bit in breath of the wild and a little bit in Link's awakening um i did play the first two hours of the resident evil 4 remake uh which a lot of people know i don't do spooky games or scary games and i agreed to play this game for book club and uh it's it's not a game i would usually play i'm not 100 percent sure i would have played it if i didn't already agree to it but um i see why people like it and uh it's a it's a very beautiful game i think the ray tracing is great i think the mm-hmm. graphical fidelity of this game is is really great although from what I remember of Resident Evil 2 Remake, I think that game might actually look a little bit better, but I'm not 100% sure because I didn't play a whole lot of it either. So, uh, But yeah, I, I think if you're a Resident Evil 4 fan, you should definitely play it because uh, <coughs> it looks great, plays great. I haven't got to the town yet. Like, I literally put it to the side, and I know I need to pick it up and everything. What do you mean? That's like the first thing you do. What'd you do? Turn it on, get out of the cop car, and then turn it off? No, I got to the co- I got out the car car, went through the house. I I enjoyed that part. Um I'm heading to the town. Uh oh, right, but I just right, put right, it on pause. It. Yeah, I just put it on pause and took it, you know, took the game out so I could watch a DC movie. Um oh. and I need oh. to pop it back in and start it back up. Do you? Actually the, the house part is actually longer than the original one. Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna have a unique perspective on Book Club because I never played through the original, so mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna see how that goes. But yeah, yeah. So I, I, th- I, oh, go ahead, what? Corey. Oh, I was. Oh, say, I was trying to finish my thought on Resident Evil and move on. Um, but uh, I played some Disney Dreamlight Valley. I'm prepping for the arrival of Simba and Nala with the. Lion King update coming April fifth. Everybody, mark that on your calendars. That's this. That's this uh, Wednesday, I believe. So today, if you're listening to this on free feeds, tomorrow if you're listening on Patreon. Uh, it's very. Uh, I'm getting to the point where like I'm just grinding for quests now and like trying mm-hmm. to 
finish up these quest lines and storylines and everything. And uh, I'm a little behind. Actually, I'm very behind, but it's still fun. Still enjoying myself. So. What's sort of the origin of... I've heard, I've heard you talk about this game a lot. What's like the 30-second origin of you and Dreamlight Valley? <laughs> I don't know. Is it I just, just like I, you love so, it? Is it like so is it something I, you'd recommend? I'm actually not really like an Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley type person. But I don't know. I thought I would give it a try because it was it was on Game Pass. And uh, I was actually looking for something that my daughter could like interact with and watch me play. And we did that Disney kind of Disneyland adventures thing. And it was, was fine, but it doesn't run very well. It runs at like 20 frames a second and very choppy and hard crash a couple nice. times. So, uh, I figured Disney dreamlight Valley would be something that she could watch me play. It's really easy going. And I let her design the character that you play as and stuff. And, um, I actually started playing it because none of the characters were unlocked and she didn't want to watch unless I had Anna and Elsa unlocked. Um, so the origin of me playing it was to try to get to that point and show her those characters. And somewhere in between there, I just kind of got addicted to the, the gameplay loop and upgrading Scrooge's store and building a farm and finding the new characters. And then I got really into like checking the updates on what characters are coming and uh, building out the town and now there's a Disney world like there's a Disney parks themed set coming so you could design your island to look like the theme parks now and I don't know I'm just I'm like really into it now and it wasn't really meant to happen that way so I don't know that was kind of the origins though was because my I was trying to look for something fun for my daughter to kind of like interact with um, so yeah, she likes that I found Olaf, and she's mad that I haven't found his arms yet. So, because the whole is it a quest? Yeah, the whole quest is to like find Olaf and put him back together. And uh, I put them all back together except for um, found finding his arms. I know where his arms are. I just don't feel like doing the Dark Realm portal stuff because it's not that it's hard. It's just like it's kind of it's kind of not the fun part of the game. It's like mm -hmm. where you actually have to go do stuff and find stuff. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. It's addicting. It's like the downtime game. Although um, I think my Island is going to uh, miss me over the next, I don't know, a couple months when Zelda comes out because it's not, it's not going to be attended to at all. So mm -hmm. yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really cool, though, because watching some of the characters interact with each other and then like some of the quests involve multiple characters from different sides of the Disney universe. Like mm. there's a whole alien invasion quest that involved Donald, Goofy and Stitch, which was really fun. Um, Scrooge McDuck's involved in a lot of it. He kind of like he's like the Tom Nook of the island where like you have to go to him to upgrade stuff and buy stuff and. He's kind of annoying, but also I upgraded his store and now he doesn't bother me. So that's kind of nice. Uh, Goofy's an idiot. I just sell him everything and he gives me a whole bunch of money and I never buy anything from him. So that's also fun. Like what I'll do is like I'll buy the I'll buy this the seeds for the plant for like growing crops and stuff. And then I'll mm -hmm. turn around and just sell him the crops that I grew the seeds from. <laughs> so 
like a bag of tomato seeds costs like i don't know we'll say like 40 coins or whatever and then i'll sell him the whole batch of tomatoes from the like the seeds that i buy and i'll make like 300 coins per whatever it's just like it's hilarious it Uh, sounds really similar to digimon next world order where like in this case it's digimon characters like there's this one that has a lot of string and doesn't know what to do with it so you have to go out and find him a stick and then he makes you a fishing rod and Mm -hmm. then you're able to fish yeah that was what i was curious about (laughs) <laughs> yeah, one of the earliest quests is you have to like build a fish. You have to like find and build all your tools that you use, and uh, the fishing rod is Goofy's kind of tool that you have to use, and like you have to like kind of cra- go through and craft it for him. And uh, then each tool you have has like three or four stages of upgrading, mm-hmm. and uh, that's also it's cool, but it's also kind of annoying uh, because it's uh like there's certain areas of the map you can't access without upgrading them all the way or you Mm -hmm. have to like go the long way around or you have to like figure out a different way to get there and that's kind of annoying but again if i just played the game like i'm supposed to it probably would have happened already i just i'm trying to my whole thing is like i'm trying to upgrade the different things like moana's boat for example i upgraded her boat all the way and she goes and fishes for me and brings me back fish so I don't have to fish, which is nice. And so I'm trying to find all the automated things so I don't have to do them anymore. And I can just gain, you know, uh, um, inventory on all that stuff so I can go mm. do other things. Yeah, so in Next World Order, it's the same. Like you explore the open world and you find Digimon. And then if you complete their quest, they move into your town. And then as you continue yeah. along your town gets bigger and more updated and slowly becomes a city so it's you know, it sounds like it's kind of the same thing yeah uh yeah you have to uh, to bring more characters into to the onto the uh into the valley you have to go to their realm and do all their quests for them and then they'll move in and provide different things for you but then they also offer you quests once they get to the valley so gotcha yeah but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been uh, kind of messing around with that, and then I'll, obviously Destiny, uh, the seasonal story, wrapped up this week, so finish that up. All right. Well, for me, I'm going to keep it very short. Uh, been playing uh, Spec Ops: The Line. Um, I'm almost at the ending of the game. Um, I haven't beaten it uh, before, so this is going to be my first time beating this game. Um, I had it. Uh, I have it on PS3, but uh, I ended up just started playing other stuff on PS3 and just never got to finish it. So I am playing it on my Series X, and decided to like power through a lot of it. Uh, but die here and there. Um, I, as great as Spec Ops the line is, sometimes it has that Call of Duty problem where the enemies. Uh, blend in with the background, so oh, it's kind of hard. The to game see. is brown. <laughs> the game, it's <laughs> yes. like it's the Gears of War problem, right? Remember that era between like 2006 and like 2011, where everything was just brown. Yeah, like, it's a brown. 
And you'd be like, where the heck this shot come from? Because that happened, when I, even when I was doing like Battlefield 3, I'm like, man, where in the heck is these shots come from? Why am I dying so much? And then you look around, you can barely see them. I'm like, oh, they got them blended in or they're hiding or something. I'm doing something wrong. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of like close to the end of it. I just got a few more fights to do before I get to the ending and then I'll make some, I guess I got to make some choices and then um I'll finish the game uh for the first time. Um but Spec Ops the Line is good. It is a good game. It's just it definitely has that 2K quality even though Jaeger made this. But the reason I say it has this 2K quality cuz it kind of reminds me of Mafia 3 also in a sense, with, like, some of the character models and the way that it feels. And I'm like, huh, I can't believe this feels, like, a little bit like Mafia 3, even though Jaeger didn't make Mafia 3 and stuff. Uh, it just has that feeling to it. But it's, it is a good game. So I'm going to be wrapping that up, and then I'm going to jump back into Octopath Traveler 2. That was my plan to play that game while I was while the force was getting done. Um, but unfortunately it just didn't happen. Uh, so it's, um, I, I just put it down and just started playing my series X for the time being, but I am going to return to Octopath Traveler 2. Uh, I'm going to return to, uh, the Kirby and the Drina Deluxe. I'm going to return to that, try to probably wrap that up, like start working on it and finishing it up. Uh, cause it is a pretty fun game. I am enjoying it. And then I'm just going to uh, get some of this backlog stuff done and everything. Probably wrap up Metro Prime Remaster. Um, and yeah, and then just go from there uh, with my games and stuff. I know I still got this One Piece Odyssey for my Series X that I need to start. So um, I'm excited to put that in and play it um, and wrap that up. Yes, so, so, uh, but pretty much that's all I've been playing, everybody. It is time for Family News. Corey, take it away. All right, so I'm going to swap some of these stories around real quick because I figure we're going to spend the most time on Zelda, and I do kind of want to hit on at least at least one of these stories. <laughs> so, uh. So we're going to start with the last story on our doc. Uh, it's official, guys. E3 has been canceled. Hooray. Uh, once again, E3 has been canceled due to a lot of interest from publishers and developers uh, to do their own events uh, instead of going through ReadPop and the ESA. With Microsoft hosting their own, Ubisoft and Sega not attending, and Nintendo not attending, uh, it just uh, just it's not happening, guys. E3, uh, ReadPop put out a thing on their Twitter account saying uh, that they were not able to put an event together based on <laughs> these companies not attending. Uh, you know, obviously Microsoft is doing their own summer conference uh ubisoft came out and said they're doing their own thing in la nintendo i'm assuming will have some sort of direct around then uh maybe not that week maybe it'll be the week before or the week after or something uh sony will have some sort of showcase i'm sure so um i just think that the magic of e3 is gone because it's so easy to do your own videos right i mean 
not to blame Nintendo, but I think Nintendo, well, really Activision was the first one to pull out in like 2008. But like, I think Nintendo with the direct was kind of like the first to kind of, <laughs> you know, they were the first sword in the box and everybody else just kind of started planting their swords in here. Now I, I don't, I don't know. I think E3 is, I, I don't think E3 is going to exist anymore. I think it's done. I think it's over. Well, I know with E3, it was mostly when we was watching E3, it's about the shows, the, the conference stuff. And then right. when it got to everything else, we didn't really pay attention. Like if Nintendo really was going to be at E3, it was going to be Treehouse Live. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how it's been for years, right? So. Yes. Um, like even with Microsoft and Sony, everything when it came to them, they would show their conference, but they weren't having stuff like Treehouse Live at the show. And definitely when they, uh, you know, changed from the booth babes, um, uh, to the yeah, indie so stuff. Lack of booth babes is what killed me. <laughs> and I mean, but with the way that people was dressing, because like, cosplay was a thing um, that was part of E3, and I'm just talking about one of the, some of the old stuff that didn't, you know. Uh, I won't say stick around, but they made changes for like E the present E3. Um, it just felt like a lot of people um, or a lot of companies and stuff decided to be like, well, if we're not going to really showcase anything because we really haven't been there to showcase anything, what is the point? What is the point of us being there? Like, definitely with Microsoft and Sony, um, they had these grand uh, showcases, but like a lot of the games that they were showing, as good as they were, a lot of them didn't have dates, or a lot of them were just like, CG uh, cutscenes that we will see, um, and you didn't, you really didn't get any reporting on it unless they had video showcasing that of them playing it or talking about it. They mostly just uh, interviewing developers and they just having a basic conversation. So, what was the point of that? You know, yeah. I think with E three, I think with E three being canceled this year. Uh, yes, it does open up people to check out Summer Game Fest or any other kind of um, direct or sh- whatever showcase that they believe in that they want to watch. I think it's going to make reporting a little bit easier. Excuse me. But it's going to be like, if there's not nothing good people are going to be wild about from a lot of showcases, I think it's going to be a summer that all the backlog games or summer games that people have, they're going to be working on that. Or maybe a lot of people are going to finally go on vacations and take time away from games. You know, it, but, it's going to be... Oh, go ahead, Corey. Oh, I was going to say, like, I, I feel like there's still a lot of games coming out this summer, though, right? I mean, I, I feel like... I don't feel like they can't come to E3 because they don't want to show their games. I feel like they don't want to go to... They don't want to spend tens of million dollars on booths getting their staff there uh you know paying read pop when they can just do a small production in-house and have generic uh lady voice tell you about their games right like i mean look at look what sony does like they put some gameplay clips on there they might have jim ryan say something they might have you know executive here say something uh on camera but other than that like 
it's just a voiceover lady talking about mm-hmm. these games, a tr- you know, two to five minute trailer. Maybe they spotlight a game and that's it. That's like a one one hundredth of the price it costs to go to E3. So why would why wouldn't you take that route? And like it's well, different. It's different for someone like Microsoft, who's going to be there, but they own the Microsoft theater. Right. So they, right. They, they, they're they like not paying to be there. They have their own theater. Right. Or someone like Ubisoft, who has a space down there. I actually think they're also using the Microsoft Theater. Like, they're already going to, I think they would rather pay a partner than some event promotional specialist, right? Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't, I don't see E3 coming back from this. Well, I, and, and yeah, I could, I could see that. I think the thing about this is that, it's the I think there's the reaction from the gamers that these companies have um, taken notice of and be like, well, if we are, if it feels like people are saying our stuff is underwhelming year after year and we're getting negative press, we might as well save money, still get negative press, but save money doing getting that negative press. So we could do a state of play or a Nintendo direct. Like what is going to hurt us is already recorded video. So we could just put it out and whatever reaction we get, we just get, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't pay all this money to come here to get a negative reaction, you know, right. from the community and everything like, and me and you, we talked about the story that in order for E3 kind of to thrive bigger in a sense like if you have games almost ready give us a demo let let us feel e3 even though we're not able to be there that's the thing too is you have to cut time out to create that vertical slice especially if you're going to have the public there you have to stop development Mm -hmm. not all development but a lot of your team has to go off and polish this one little section of the game to like demo to people who are going to come play it for 10 minutes like that's also that also costs them money that they that they would rather spend on po- like polishing the game you know like yeah or or continue development on the game so it's just it e3 is just a waste of time money and resources at this point for these companies when they know they can do it cheaper and probably better i mean nintendo showed everybody that you can do it cheaper and better by doing Nintendo Directs. Everybody loves Nintendo Directs. Why do you think everybody Excuse started me, we doing had, We literally had an E3 level Nintendo Direct in February. Like, that's crazy. You know, and we, I think we just expect that same kind of level. And I think with E3, um, uh, talking about that same kind of level, is that it was more of a community thing. You know, people would pay money to go to E3 and be able to be there in the presence. And now that the community is online, it's, of course, it's safer. Um, you know, it, people could create content from it and everything. Uh, it just yeah the 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 money the money portion of it these companies are definitely saving, um, and everything. But if they feel like well we don't got nothing to present, a that's worrisome that you guys don't have nothing to present, uh because it's just like what games are you planning but to release for this year? Because right now it's not I'm, that they don't have anything to present. It's just they don't want to present it and spend the money to do that. Let me tell you all all the major games coming out between May and September. Okay. We have 
Redfall, Zelda, Lego 2K Drive, um, Lord of the Rings Gollum, Suicide Squad, potentially. We don't know if it's been delayed or not. They haven't said anything. Uh, that's just May. June, we have Etrian Odyssey Origins Collection, Street Fighter Six, We Love Katamari, Reroll plus Royal Reverie, Diablo 4, Goodbye Volcano High, Alien Dark Descent, Crash Team Rumble, Final Fantasy 16, Sonic Origins Plus, uh, Story of Seasons, Ghost Trick. And then in July, we have um, Pikmin 4, Hogwarts Legacy is coming to Switch, Disney Illusion Island, Exo Primal uh, gets a full release, The Legend of Heroes Trails, uh, Trails into Reverie, which I know a lot of people are excited for. Mm-hmm. August, we have Atlas Fallen, we have uh, Sea of Stars, Baldur's Gate 3, September we have Starfield, Rune Factory 3 Special, and the rumored and Spider-Man is also rumored for September. Uh, also somewhere in there we're getting Assassin's Creed Mirage, we're getting um, you know, some sort of Armored Core game, we're getting Alan Wake 2, we're getting Age of Empires 4 for Xbox, we're getting... Forza Motorsport supposed to drop sometime. Yeah, yeah Forza Motorsport. Uh, so... I mean, it's not like these companies don't have anything to show. I mean, if you go through the the uh, <laughs> list on Game Informer alone, the release date to be announced 2023, that mm-hmm. list is like 120 games long. <laughs> like, I can't even Shoot, read them all. Probably, and probably half of that is just for Switch alone. Because, like, we got a lot of the games that you mentioned, we got dates for yeah. So mostly, I I think with Microsoft, it, well, we not I'm not so much worried about Sony. I think with Microsoft, you know, of course they got their Bethesda thing and doing a big direct on Starfield. Like, I think E3 would have been so beneficial to them because they would have had a upper hand against Nintendo Wait, and Microsoft what do you and mean? Uh, they're, Sony. They're doing a summer. Uh, they're doing a presentation. It's they just are. not part of E3. I don't, E3. I don't... Right. I think if... I mean, because I think more people would have tuned in. Uh, Why? The last had... few haven't been part of E3, quote-unquote. Well, it, but, I think E3, mm, with, mm, when it's starting, mm. conference-wise, conference-wise, it's That's been started saying. with Microsoft on some on, uh, with that, but but uh, they aren't part of E3. They're so, their last year. Their Xbox Plus Bethesda showcase was not part of E3. I thought it was. No, they considered it as E3. No, for they some didn't. people. Well, that's because E3 was literally the next day, and everybody just uses E3 as like the generic. Here's when everybody's announcing things. Because Monday you know. would have been, uh. Was Monday Ubisoft in? Anyways, let's let's get Daniel's take on this because he has yet to say anything because we're too loud. <laughs> so I think as someone who probably wouldn't necessarily attend E3, it's kind of more fun to get the announcements throughout the year rather than being like, oh, well, it's E3 season. I guess we're going to get everything. It's kind of fun to like have these like pop-up things happen where like Tears of the Kingdom gameplay is like dropped kind of randomly or like there's there's little spoiler hints that something's going to be coming in the next few weeks and like it as like a working stiff in a lot of regards mm-hmm. like it's nice to just be like oh yeah there's something like some gaming thing to look forward to rather than just like oh well it's that time of year let's get all the gaming stuff and freak out about it like now we just kind of get to freak out more often and i think that's something i personally like 
that it gives me something to look forward to rather than just, oh, it's it's that time of year. Okay. Yeah, I like his answer. Yeah, I mean, look, look how the so currently the Tears of the Kingdom video has five point five million views. Okay, mm-hmm. that dropped on a random Tuesday in March. Yeah. So, you know, Nintendo is just proving over and over again that they don't need any of these. You know, I think I think them being at the Game Awards is probably useful, but like they don't attend Summer Game Fest either. They, I mean, Nintendo. Look, remember the, what pandemic year? I think when all they did was drop a trailer for Paper Mario, and then it was out yeah. three months later. And then they did that for what else came out that year? I think Pikmin Three Deluxe came out that year. Yeah, I think they did their direct in July. They didn't have a direct that year. That was the thing. They didn't have a direct that year. I thought they did. Not until like was it a partner direct? It. I I think they had a mini partner direct, but they didn't have a proper Nintendo direct until like September when they were talking about Age of Calamity and Mm -hmm. what else was the end of that that year? Was the Bayonetta double pack? I think was that year. Yeah, because then it may have been a a mini partner direct because I remember they were doing more of those than having a proper Nintendo direct. Yeah, because a lot of stuff got delayed out. A lot of stuff got delayed. Delayed. Yeah. So. And like you were saying, Ed, it's more it's so much more online than it used to be. That like a lot mm. of the community is online. Like I met you guys online. Like Yeah. There's like no I'm not necessarily gonna go to an organized event now to like meet other gamers. Yeah. I'm gonna like seek out the people I wanna talk to of online. Versus like hoping I like I'm walking around E3 and I see someone with a Zelda shirt and we have that instant mm. connection and like, like the rainbow shows up and like the clouds and the happy clouds and smiles and stuff. Like it's more yeah. online now. So, and, and I think that's, I think that's the separate part of E3, the conferences versus the, versus the actual event, the floor stuff that people go to and everything. Because even like with Tokyo game show, they kind of, started to have a little bit of the conferences in their thing, uh, even though not all of them there, but they do focus on having a day for a journal, for all journalists, a day for, or the weekend for the family and stuff like that. So uh, when we think of Tokyo Game Show, we kind of think of the actual conference that people go to and get to play those games. And for E3, we don't think it that way. We're thinking of mostly of the conferences that we get to see. That's just under the E3 banner. Uh, because we're not, and like, no knock against Nintendo. A lot of us are not tuning in to Treehouse Live for like nine hours and stuff. Unless there's a, unless there's something that we don't know in a direct. Well, remember that year we were just trying to, the, the uh, year the switch came out, we were actually trying to skip it because we were doing the reaction to the yeah to the uh, the the direct, and direct. then they started showing Metroid, <laughs> the two D Metroid for three DS. Right. We we're like, what's going on? Like, wait, huh? Like Samus Returns uh, for three yeah. DS. It was just like, wait, what is this hotness that's dro-? like? We had no clue, no expectations. <laughs> what, are you doing? what are you doing to us? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Oh man, that was right. a good year. It was. Man. Uh, I kind of went back and watched some of our E3 stuff and been watching some of the E3 presentations, definitely from Nintendo. It's just the live reactions 
and, and for it. And I think that's probably what I'm going to miss is going to be like <clears throat> the E3 reactions. Yeah. I mean, but we can still do, it's not like we can't like do the watch alongs like we used to. They're just not going to be called E3 watch alongs. They're going to be called Xbox dumb, dumb, diddly dumb plus Bethesda space shooter reacts. Which I'm just gonna put it under developer developers direct. Like, I mean that I, that was cool. Like I really liked that though. That Xbox did that little way overproduced, but like mm-hmm. I really liked that they actually took that approach to like, hey, here's five games we're gonna show you right now, and here's you know the development team and how they are doing it, and show off some gameplay. I really liked that, and that yeah. I think that's what all of our points are right now. Is like. We would rather sit back and watch these online presentations and talk about them afterwards instead of like running around the show floor, you know, standing in line for six hours to play one game that we mm-hmm. probably don't care about. We just want to be there. Right. And it's like, I I mean, I kind of gave up on the whole let's go to E3 thing like a long time ago, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, I think I think the place to go now, if you want to meet your friends and other creators now, is obvi- I mean, obviously, PAX is is PAX. the one that you circle now, right? And yeah, E3 is just. PAX... Oh, go ahead. Uh, and and PAX have panels, so you have a podcast slash conversation to learn about things. So that's kind of the added benefit for PAX. Uh-huh. In a sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't, I don't know if E3 really recovers from this unless they drastically change the way they think about what E3 is. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm I mean, going to miss me it wrong, this year. I'm excited to see what everybody has to announce, but um, yes. So it'll be interesting to see with like Metroid Prime Remaster and Hi-Fi Rush like shadow dropping if that will be more of a thing where oh yeah check this thing out it's all ready to go they'll have some shadow drops but they need to make sure that um when they do that shadow drop like it's something that um they want (laughs) that they that they do a little bit of a deep dive of it's brand new so we can know what we get into and then drop it and stuff yeah yeah Um, they don't even need hype to drop stuff now yeah I think it works for smaller games that may not need like an entire big budget marketing cycle. Like mm-hmm. I think the Bat and Kato's remasters are actually a perfect kind of game to get shadow dropped and say, Hey, they're available now. If you want the physical, it's coming two weeks from now, like they did with Metroid prime. Uh, just mm-hmm. because I, I feel like the shadow drop part of it gets people more excited for those games. Something like that, uh, like lesser known. Right. Yeah. Than, something obviously metroid prime remaster is just like a different thing but oh yeah uh you know shadow dropping something like bat and kato's digitally and saying hey the physical copy will be out on this date pre-orders are up in after the direct or whatever i think that i think that holds a lot more weight than uh doing a whole marketing cycle showing it off are people excited you know i think if you market it like like during a direct a two-minute segment saying from the the game uh, that Monolith brought you before Xenoblade, blah, 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 Shadow Drop now. I think that works better. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that game as a side note. We'll see. 
Sh- uh, Shane is trying to get me to to play it, and uh, I I had the originals at one point, but I don't remember the whole card system thing. And uh, we all know how I feel about card games. So yeah, so another virus you you'll live uh, precarious. I said the wrong word. Vicariously. <laughs> yeah, but through me. Mm, we'll see. We'll see, Ed. Me we'll and see. Shane will play it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, Daniel can come on the show and just tell us how great it and is for a me. card game. That'll be the entirety of the pre-sale. Wow. <laughs> we'll just see me and Shane. <laughs> Hopefully not, but. That's fine. You know what? It's cool. You know what? I will get it just to prove you all wrong. Yeah. A convert. <laughs> Would you play it, though? Yeah, well, we'll get we'll cross that bridge when we get there. On to our next story. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kirby is officially a BAFTA winner. Takes home best family game, meaning we're going to get 37,000 more Kirby games before the Switch is done. Uh, the British Academy of Film and Television uh, held its BAFTA Game Awards, and Nintendo's only game in the ceremony, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, took home the honor of winning best family game. Uh, the va- With Vampire Survivor winning best <laughs> best game. That's hilarious, by the way. <laughs> Vampire Survivor winning best game. That's yeah, so beat awesome. out Elder Ring, God of War, and yeah, so, I was I'm, shocked. I'm so happy. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me so happy, but it does. Uh, I just, I think last year I just got really tired of hearing Elden Ring and God of War, and I was just like, "Come on, give something else, something, please." <laughs> um. Uh, with uh, let's see, where was I? There wasn't uh a lot of representation from Nintendo outside of Kirby and Splatoon three, which received a nomination for best multiplayer. But lost to Elden Ring. Congratulations to Hal Laboratory on this win. So great. I know a lot of people really liked uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Yeah, um, it's really, really good. So uh, I know Ed thought it was good. Daniel, did you play it at all? Uh, no, uh, perhaps ironically enough, I didn't play it because I was like, well, this is a family game and i don't have kids or anything so Mm -hmm. the appeal level was lower for me because i'm not like a natural kirby fan sort of to begin with other than it's sometimes fun to mess around with him and smash so it's 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 actually just a it's not really a family game it's just a really great platformer game so you just like answer platformers you would definitely enjoy it like i said i I, I I want to say it's family game Oh, go yeah. ahead, Corey. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, I heard from, from a lot of different people that it was actually pretty good, but... Um, like, I it just, looks amazing. Yeah. It is. I just, uh, I didn't really care to pick it up, because, I don't know, honestly, March, what was it, March, oh, uh, Witch Queen had come out, and I didn't care about anything other than Destiny for, like, a month and a half, so... Uh, and I'm definitely not stopping to play a Kirby game. I don't care how good it is, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the darkness must be stopped. Anyways, I, I, one day you're going to end up playing a Kirby game. I hope. I've played a Kirby game. I played Kirby Air Ride on the GameCube. It was fun. <laughs> that doesn't count. I mean, well, that does count. Uh, it does count. I also played that game uh, Rainbow, Rainbow Curse. Curse on the Wii U, which yes. was also very good. I also played Canvas Curse on the DS, also very good. So I well, played Kirby I, games. You just haven't finished them. No, no, don't care. You should. 
Although you should, you should Ra- Rainbow Curse, game. Rainbow Curse is a pretty amazing game. If you have a Wii U, it really is. Yeah, I would I would track down Rainbow Curse. That is a pretty amazing game. It's all stylus based and kind of like built on momentum and ramps, and uh, it's just a really cool game. Highly recommended. Yes. Not because it's a Kirby game, but the mechanics are super cool. And the art style is amazing because it's all claymation. And it looks so smooth. It's so good. <laughs> it's crazy because the game runs in 60 frames a second, but the claymation runs like you would expect a claymation movie to run. So it's kind of like stilted and whatever. And it's it's really yeah. cool. I love it. I love it so much. All right. I guess we can get to the big topic here. Uh, a little game called The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, so. The day this episode dropped on Patreon, uh, they dropped the 10-minute uh, gameplay video with uh, producer Eiji Anuma playing 10 minutes of the game, uh, showing off new areas, new abilities, uh, you know, new kind of mechanics and everything. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is only six weeks away, but that doesn't make it any easier to wait for the highly anticipated sequel. Uh, right after our previous recording, Eiji Anuma and Nintendo sat down to show off 10 minutes of the game, including a new area, new enemies, new mechanics, and crafting new weapons with the ability called Fuse. Um, I know we're going to dive really deep into this. I just want to get our overall impressions first. Uh, I I really think it's... I'm I'm really looking forward to them using the same map and utilizing it in different ways, because I think that that Mm. is a big, that is a big uh, risk, you know, using the same map that we played, you know, six years ago and adding different layers to it. I think, uh, I think Nintendo has a tall task in doing that, Uh, but I am interested to see how the geography changes and uh, how, different areas of the map have changed because I think that's where you're going to find the small things, right? I think you're going to be able to point out <clears throat> kind of like when we were running through breath of the wild and you could see lawn lawn ranch from Ocarina of time and be like, Oh, that's Lon lawn ranch. I think you're going to be able to run through this high rule and be like, point to areas from breath of the wild and be like, Oh, well this stable used to be here. Oh, well I remember this town being here. Where did it go? Why is it demolished? You know, where, where are all the scientists? Where are all the, you know, where's, where's Terry town? You know, I wonder if we're going to be able to build structures as well, not just build the house and you know, before Terrytown, but actually like mm. build houses and settlements and everything. Like, I, I wonder how deep this crafting mechanic is going to go. Uh, I really liked the areas they showed in the Sky Islands. Like, I think that's really interesting, especially if you fill the entire sky with them. I think that's a bold move, building basically a second landmass above the uh above the original and i think like because i rewatched it again before we got on just to kind of like make sure i knew what i was really going to talk about during this segment and uh <coughs> excuse me like they land on a on an island but it's lower than the rest of the islands and there's a ton of islands above at different levels and i really think this game is going to figure out a smart way to use the verticality to change the game. And I think that's interesting not to mention the underground stuff, which I think we all assume is coming. So uh, Daniel, I'm going to start with you. What, what were your overall impressions before we deep dive into this? 
So as a big fan of Skyward Sword, um, obviously going to the sky can mean a lot of things. Like, are will there be loft wings? Kind of questions. I don't know if that's been like confirmed anywhere. It seems like it's kind of all but confirmed, maybe, in a lot of ways, and that kind of makes me really happy. And getting to be in the sky and adding that, like the the building mechanics are something that interests me quite a bit. Um, obviously, is like I like building stuff. You you heard me talk about Lego, two K Drive, and constructing things is something of interest to me, and Particularly, I really like hot air balloons, and in one of the scenes, he's in a hot air, like a constructed hot air balloon, so that has like a lot of appeal to me. I wonder, like you were kind of saying, how far they're going to go with it, where like, yes, you can make a boat, but did we see like one of three variations of like what kind of boat can be made? Like how committed are they to the construct your own stuff mechanics? And it seems like they from everything they've showed that they're pretty committed to it but yeah it's they seem like, they seem very committed they seem very committed to this uh you can really build anything you want and make it as simple or as <laughs> crazy as you want uh yeah i saw way too many banjo kazooie nuts and bolts uh references which honestly i don't think is very far from what they're going to try to attempt with some of this stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because ba- the nuts and bolts stuff, like you could get pretty crazy with those vehicle designs. You could pretty much do like once you got far enough into the game, you could pretty much build whatever you wanted, however you wanted, right? And uh, my whole thing is, I wonder how many things uh you can fuse together before they're like, nope, you're done, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the only limitation you have. Which would be fantastic. I know the, like the Legend of Zelda John Deere, like edition, like I think scared a lot of people out of the gate, <laughs> where it's like, oh, so I'm gonna have to like make a tractor to like hack through grass now, kind of scared people. But this seems like it's, it reined it in a little with this video. Uh huh. But it's it... like, how do you offer versatility without offering too much or too little? Like, what's that sweet spot for? if I'm going to make a 4,000 piece tank or something. Right. Like, will it actually move? Yeah. I think, uh, who was I? I think maybe we were talking to, uh, I think we were talking to Grayson about this on the boss rush podcast last week. Um, Yeah. Grayson. We were saying like, uh, my thought is in traditional Nintendo fashion, they're going to give you all the pieces to complete the game in the simplest way possible. Right. But I think if you, I think if you put, I think they're going to allow players to actually get as granular as they want. I think they're going to allow players to get as deep as they want. And I think the deeper you go, like the better service, the, the better service, uh, the game is going to be for you. Right. Like I think, I think creating like something that, flies with a bunch of fans right like i think yeah you can maybe use one fan and get to where you're going but if you put like three on there and then you put the little you know uh sheet with the in with the wind and like you can like steer it and like i wonder how like you know because i i think you're going to be able to do a lot of different things with this and i that's i think that's what's exciting to a lot of people 
<clears throat> because you're going to be able to need to get to these different islands, whether you, you know, use the abilities, whether you build vehicles, whether you can drive vehicles from place to place. Like, I think, I think that's going to be really interesting. Uh, and I'm actually quite excited to see how all this fits within the story, because I, I wonder, like the other thing that I've been wondering is, is there going to be time travel in this game? Because that seems pretty not out of the question now, you know, and if the different land masses are going to change based on what time period you're in or um, something like that. And we already know this is Nintendo's biggest game they've ever built, right? Which is still only like a whopping like 27 gigs, I think something ridiculously mm-hmm. small at this point. But the fact that like, uh, and Daniel, I didn't mean to hijack your, your uh, points here, but I think uh, one of the most interesting things is the seamless transition of diving from the sky islands back down to the ground. There's no loading or like yeah. they're, they're, they're masking the loading by, you know, letting you fall. Right. But like, there's no loading. The world just exists, which is incredible on this hardware. Mm-hmm. The fluidity of that is definitely something that stuck out. That yeah. it's like you're saying, if they are, is a transition. It's masked so well. It doesn't even. It doesn't feel like it. It yeah. feels like they're all in one map still. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, this game. This game is going to be an incredible. I think just from a technological perspective, this game is going to be a massive feat of engineering from Nintendo's uh, system engineers. And I'm really excited to see what they're, what they're going to do. What about you, Ed? What are you, uh, what are you thinking? So, um, before I get to any of that, Oh boy. I really think that Anuma the Zelda team and Monolith Soft really sat down and built this game from the from the bottom up. I mean, still using the assets from Breath of the Wild, but really like fleshing this thing out. Because don't forget, everybody, this must be DLC for the yeah. first game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, isn't that hilarious? And, exactly, and for them to flesh it for this game to be fleshed out. Of course, I. You know, all the gameplay ideas and stuff that's, you know, when you look at the trailer, the things that's laying around. But I really think that because Monolith Soft was working on Xenoblade Chronicles 3 while also helping the Zelda team, I think now, because they don't have to port this game to Wii U, they don't, or anything, I think they really went in to fix a lot of the technical problems and everything and make this game look beautiful because now they know the technology. Now they know what they can do. Uh, Of course, they created new assets and stuff. But I really felt like they probably knew how do we get around, how do we keep some of our uh, old systems or ideas that we have and how do we approve upon them while still incorporate it where it won't be frustrating or anything. Um, and I think Monolith Soft and, uh, and the Numenazota team, I think they all just thought about that and was doing some test and trial with this stuff um, before the game uh, even got announced and everything. Uh, definitely when we see the trailer of them just walking uh, with uh, Zelda and Link just walking and stuff and hitting and hiding some stuff that 
you know, we didn't know about. And they were just like, the game is in development. Like, I think they were still figuring stuff out, getting that all together. With yeah. that being said, my goodness, I I would did not expect any of these ideas to be in the game. The fusing. I know. The, uh, the, uh, um, I wouldn't even say nuts and bolts, even though that's a thing that people uh, uh, get from it. I was telling uh, Dave, uh, Daniel, I was just like, this feels like Labo, but done in a digital world and everything. Because it's going to be, it's it's really going to, like for the vehicle stuff, it's going to be a lot of engineering. That people mm-hmm. are going to make. We're going to be seeing airplanes. We're going to see someone's going to do a Scooby Doo van, probably. No, and, somebody's, you know, somebody's going to make like a transformer or something in, out of this tool set or something, right? Like, it, yeah. Like you're going to be and able. Like, to, they're going to, you're going to see vehicles that can go on the ground, in the water, to the air. Like almost like it's going to be like a. The Sonic Racing transformed, where like the vehicles just can do everything. Doesn't matter where you're at, right? Like, ah, uh, man, this game. I don't know, man. This game is it's got a lot going on, and I hope I I hope they can pull it off because they're they've seemed to have a lot of incredible tools in here. Um, and the, and the smart thing was Nintendo was able, or Anuma and them were in just this trailer were able to get away with any story stuff. Because now, no one is talking about the story of what the game is going to be. Yeah, the, the Zonai stuff, yeah. But more people are just like, I'm going to create this, or I wonder what is over here. That, they're going to, that ex- the exploration discussion has literally expanded from Breath of the Wild mm-hmm. and everything. Because they're going to be like, what can I go through, through a mountain and everything? Or, you know, how far am I going to be able to fly? Uh, where Everybody's going to prepare. Where can I do my deepest dive? And start doing acrobatic tricks and everything. Like, people are going to literally break this game to the point where it's going to be like, how in the heck did you even think about that? And Nintendo themselves are going to be probably, probably they are waiting for people to break this game. I know Anuma and them are probably going to be like, yeah, we took two weeks off because the game is out and we're just seeing the reactions. But I want to see how people break this game, what weapons they create. Um, Because now, with this crafting, I mean, this fusing and everything, it's going to... The weapon degradation to Nintendo seems like it's going to be soft. But... Uh, for a lot, but for a lot of people, they're gonna be like, "Well, if I could just continue to combine different parts of my weapon, I don't have to worry about degradation. I just fuse something, attack, uh, and see how long it lasts. And if it continue, if it's almost gets, gets to breaking, and I could go get another thing, uh, let me attach it. Because we got the fuse and stuff, but can we defuse? Mm-hmm. We don't know yet. And everything. Right. Um, do you mention the loading? Uh, portion of it, um, Corey. But this is just like Daniel said. This is like Skyward Sword, you know, in a sense, uh, with just jumping off the sky. And you know how you just used to have Link just falling down, uh, before the bird catches him and takes him to his destination. When it was just like, what if we removed the bird and just kept have Link keep falling? Hmm. You know, 
Like, of course, if we can't get hurt when we dive in the water, them folks about to find the highest point and jump off. They're going to be like, oh, I'm fighting a dragon. I'm riding off. Oh, I need to go jump off. They're going to be jumping off dragons, mountains. They're going. Someone's going to do some SSX stuff off of uh, Ice Mountain, jump off into the water. Like, it's going to be literally crazy. And Nintendo was able to get away from any story beats by having people talk about it. They didn't get away from every story beat. I mean, they had teased the Zonai existence, which I know a lot of people are <laughs> excited for in one way or another. I think, I think showing uh, materials that have to do with that, um, that civilization is pretty um, exciting for a lot of people, which causes a lot of speculation. For a lot of people. But uh, I went to their last playthrough before, uh, when they was announcing Tears of the Kingdom, like when they was actually about to give us the title and everything. The Zona is in there in some of the shops, and yeah. nobody was talking about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm talking about like story stuff. I'm I'm not talking yeah. about like their proper existence. I I meant like they're really showing the they're really showing a lot of things without telling you they're showing things which is also something nintendo has been incredibly good at over the years so yeah because like where's the guardians like how many people people are going to break the guardians and if we break the guardians what pieces are we going to get from them and can we use them as vehicle stuff to fuse or armor or whatever like there's just still a lot that we don't know and i i gotta give it up to monolith stuff i think they really work with nintendo to get the frame rate together um to make this game because when i look at tears of the kingdom it does look better than uh breath of the wild definitely the water effects like the water looks really yeah, the water good looks a lot better like this game looks it looks it looks cleaner and smoother and like they really clean mm-hmm. up that engine. I mean, like we used to talk about, like, of course, they made this run on Wii U and they ported it up. Right. I mean, that's kind of that. That was just kind of the limitations of the last game. But now mm-hmm. they don't have anything else to port it to. Like, this is it. They And they've had six years to optimize and maximize the power of this console. Yeah. To the point where, like, they can make this game as perfect as they need to and not have to worry about anything else. And, yeah, that, and I mean that's clearly what they did. And I think time travel is isn't going to play a part in this game. I I, I really feel like time travel doesn't need to uh uh do anything in this game. Now the use of time with the rewind button mm-hmm. function, yes, that's cool. But time traveling, I don't think it's necessary in this game or anything. You know, we got we yes, we did get um Hyrule uh uh Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity where we kind of meet the new age of the um of the champions and that could lead into Breath into Tears of the Kingdom that we actually now see the new champions grown up in this game and we could be like, yeah, you remember us, Link, and everything. Uh, I know it's been a hundred plus some years from your uh, from your sleep, but like we are now grown up, 
and we remember the adventure uh and we want to help now help you on the quest and then we have the air so now we may have more champions that we do not know about that's in the air great yeah i i would imagine there's some sort of champion in the sky area right there has to be right a descendant mm-hmm. of groots groots to groots i'm done done that was bad i am groose yeah yes yeah yeah story thoughts daniel yeah, I don't know the the. I obviously haven't played through the entirety of Breath of the Wild, so I don't have a good sense of where it might be headed. I've obviously heard tons of spoilers, but as far as knowing where the story goes, I'm not sure. I think there was probably a fairly good reason why they re-released Skyward Sword onto the Switch as a as a gap game. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how that incorporates in because that's technically like the first game in the timeline, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that fits in with everything else that's happened. And yeah. as a Majora's Mask fan, it'd be fun to see that incorporated somehow. Mm-hmm. Not sure how exactly, but adding in that mask mechanic could be a lot of fun too. But it kind of feels like there might not be space for it with all the pitchfork fusing and stuff that we're going to be doing so what if you fused a mask with a shield and then your shield became that mask yeah there's some possibility there i just Mm. i really don't have a good sense of how how committed they are to the the versatility because it seems pretty broad yeah but i i don't want to get my hopes up about it that like oh yeah i'm gonna be able to like fuse my mask to my sword and have like like the happy mask salesman sword kind of thing. And then find out that I can only like fuse my mask or my, my sword with an apple and have an apple sword and run around waving my apple sword and be like, this is so cool. I've got an apple sword when I really wanted a happy mask sword kind of thing. So like, I'm trying to not fly off the handle about what I'll be able to build. Cause all I like to do in my free time is build stuff. So it's like, trying not to manage expectations but it all seems really promising and it seems to be leaning on the games that i enjoy the most so definitely the one thing from the playthrough that i wasn't super fond of and maybe you guys can sell me on it is the transferring through rocks to get to the 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 mountain above it that seemed kind of weird and like it's the cut cut through the climbing with the stamina bar yeah that seemed kind of strange to me and like ant-man like (laughs) passing through the molecules kind of thing so in breath of the wild in order to get to some places you had to um get your stamina bar up and that was for a lot of people that was kind of a time wasting thing even though you don't have to really worry about the time and stuff um and it made you uh it makes you choose if you want to extend your health bar or you want to extend your stamina. And I think at, at a point that you only get a, you get a, I don't think you could extend both of them where you get your full health extended or and with your full health, um, not health, a stamina bar extended. So this one is cutting down on that in a sense. So instead of you climbing way up on, uh, 
way up on a mountain and stuff. It was just like if you got a cave and you want to go all the way up, you could just use it and everything. It's a it's a really make the game feel open to go anywhere and do anything without gotcha. having to yeah, without having the uh to waste your time trying to build up to make the world more open than that's it. So that's all. Gotcha. So it's like a convenience sort of thing based yes, on to a Gotcha. So yeah. I just haven't gotten there as far as gameplay goes. So yeah. I'll probably buy into that more once I get annoyed that I'm stuck. <laughs> yeah, I also wonder I wonder if like I don't know, the stamina stuff was kind of annoying, but also like man, I don't know. It didn't it didn't really bother me. I just it, it it really only bothered me at the beginning of like uh at the beginning where like oh I can't you know I can't climb all the way up there. Why not? But you know, I also never really played a lot of survival games or games where you had to like build up certain things to achieve different things, like other than I guess RPGs, I guess, which is I guess I just really described an RPG, so maybe I should backtrack a little bit. But you know what I mean? Like st- stuff like I would say something like Minecraft, right? Where like you have to like build up your kind of inventory to keep crafting and craft better things and find recipes and stuff. And I think I think the uh the I so I actually also wonder this is I think this is what I was getting to, so I'll just cut to it. Like I wonder if they're going to reward anybody who played the first game with like a couple extra starting hearts or a little bit of extra stamina or anything. Nope. Because are you working on the game, Ed? They would have said something about it, but it looks like they're, uh, it really looks like they are doing a Metroid uh, (laughs) thing where uh, all that stuff that you had, you lost. I just literally start a new adventure. I just noticed that you start with two less hearts. It seems like you uh, actually if, start with uh, because in Breath of the Wild you start with six, and what the section they are showing you only had four. So I okay, wonder... I thought it was. Yes, I was wondering about that. I wonder if they if it was like the start of your game off with the three hearts. Yeah. I thought that was both of them, but you said it's two of them. Okay. Yeah. So I I don't know. I I just wonder if some of the mechanics are gonna change based on that um probably not but it's it's fun to think about so i don't know i'm i'm really excited i it's not that i haven't been excited it's just it's taken a lot for me to kind of build up my excitement i think for this game and i think maybe because we just haven't seen a whole lot whereas that build up the breath of the wild we saw a ton of that game you know and now that we're seeing more of this game, I'm getting more excited. And the fact that it's only five weeks away from now, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be losing so much time to everything. <laughs> to that. So. Do you guys feel like the fact that we haven't really gotten more story stuff is indicative that it's not the strongest? So they're kind of like, look, you can make a John Deere thing rather than. Or it's just so amazing and spoilery that I, they just can't talk about it at all without ruining I something. So. I don't think so because I mean they didn't show any story stuff for Breath of the Wild either, right? And not that it's like the strongest story by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, I just they didn't show a lot of story for that either. 
and the story actually ended up being pretty good, especially for a Nintendo developed title. So I I actually think the story is going to build on what they did this time around. Yeah, uh, I just wonder how it's going to play out because it, this game is definitely doing something. It's doing something. Yeah, the focus on the game is still exploration and what you can do with this open world than it is in the story. Because um, the story stuff is more for if you're ready for the lore parts of it. If you want to go out and find out what that story is, you can. Uh, but with this, it's gonna for a lot of people, they're interested in what can I do in this world? And if I happen on upon a, a, the story, then, okay, I got something uh, from the story. I'm like, oh, that's cool what they did. You know, so it's not so much. Um, I think they, they tried to avoid the sandbox style of gameplay where you go to one person, get a mission, and then that's the story. And you keep doing that for it and everything. I think they try to avoid that and to be like, wherever you want to go, wherever you want to start to get your story, that's what you get. And then once you got that story, we'll make it all connect. When it gets closer to the end, because right now the story for a lot of us is, is that where the premise for a lot of us is that somehow Zelda's fallen into something we don't know. Link wasn't able to rescue her and it caused the loss of his arm or his magical arm got binded. Uh, While trying to save Zelda or something, the uh, Master Sword broke. So the now the thing is, is there a way that I could we could save Zelda? And is there a way to get the master sword together to save her? We don't uh who is this enemy that we are gonna fight that was under Hyrule Castle? We need to know the story behind that. So I think that's all kind of the story that's going on. It's more of a mystery of how did this come about? And how do we find out its conclusion and you know and everything? Like right now, literally the broken master sword, uh and Zelda, they are the story. Uh-huh. They are the connection. Cause the thing about it is if you don't if you don't have the master sword and you don't have Zelda, you don't have the light arrows. So if you don't have those three, because that's kind of that own Triforce in itself, if Ganon ever came back. He could do whatever he wants to do, and Link and Zelda and Hyrule would have no way to stop him. Uh-huh. Which would bring the tears of the kingdom. Ah, because everything see. has fallen under what uh, has fallen under Ganondorf. Or Ganon, I should say, at that time. Yeah. It's gonna be uh it's gonna be interesting to see the story play out. Because, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that first trailer, they showed everybody underground. And then this one, like, it's just like, where are we going? Like, what's the real thing here? And, like, I still think this is the Empire Strikes Back of the this Breath of the Wild-esque trilogy thing that they're building here. I really think there's going to be a third part that resolves everything, which has me quite excited. Uh but I guess I guess we'll find out. I could I probably gonna make an assumption, and I may I don't know if I'm gonna be right or wrong about this. Wrong. But the hand 
that's holding the enemy uh, or whoever that is, I think that's the one that's going to get attached to Link's arm. So I think that is maybe a goddess or that's something, uh, don't even know if that's Link, uh, of that's Zelda's mother or anything. Like there's something connected to that arm that attaches the Link for him to create the fuse and be able to save Zelda uh-huh. and everything. And the answers are just probably up in the sky because looking at it, that's the only thing that's holding it while that magic is going into that hand to hold it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So man, wild. It's gonna get it's gonna get wild, everybody. Quite excited. Yeah. It's going to be a very hard thing not to discuss and look into it on social media. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of us at Boss Rushes are at Boss Rush are planning to get this game and play it. Discussing it wise, we literally have to keep our mouth closed. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one, but I think, uh, I mean, that's going to be uh may and june's book club is breath of the wild or tears of the kingdom tears of the kingdom so possibly even uh even july if we need to go a third month because that game is going to be so huge so you know join us on book club the final friday of every month on patreon two weeks later on free feeds not the plug but i did so It'd be cool if there was a callback to in Majora's Mask when the moon cries when you're looking through the telescope. Like if mm-hmm. there was some some sort of tear reference in there. Yeah. But again, that's just me loving that game and wanting it to be more popular than it is. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I want I mean I wonder. I could. I mean I, I wouldn't put it past them to put some sort of uh interesting kind of twist on because i think everybody wants this to be the majora's mask of of the breath of the wild uh, please do not be <laughs> uh but i don't know don't if it's gonna that. ed doesn't like majora's mask it's fine he's allowed to be wrong a lot of people don't he's in good company yeah, I, I, know. I dubbed it as side quest sequel your side quest <laughs> um or like going to clock town at all <laughs> Anyway, just <laughs> rabbit trail. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be amazing. Um, you know, will it be as good as breath of the wild? I don't know because I think the sense of discovery will kind of not be gone, but it'll be different because we already kind of know what Hyrule looks like. It's the, I think now the sense of discovery will be through the mechanics and, kind of the hidden areas through the land that we already know instead of the actual actual Hyrule now. So I, I'm probably going to have to disagree. I think Tears of the Kingdom is going to be better than Breath of the Wild. Ed disagrees with me, everybody. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll depend on how much is in the sky. Like, how much is there up there to look at? Yeah. Like, am I just going Skyrock to Skyrock, or is there, like, going to be multiple kingdoms up there for me to check out yeah like am i gonna want to be in the sky or is it just kind of like oh there's some treasure chests with heart pieces and things up there like give me a reason to be in the sky and i'll stay in the sky all day 
Yeah, I I mean, I bet there's some pretty big secrets in the sky. Oh, there's got to be. Like, why introduce that if you're not going to yeah. go go crazy with it? You're right. Man, it's going to be cool. It's going to be so cool. Ah, it's going to be so cool. Anyways, I guess we could I guess we can move on now. Uh but that's it. That's that's family news. Uh Zelda is out May 12th. Uh, I hope I can get my hands on a pro controller at least. Yes. I don't really care uh, about the special last edition. question ever. before we move on. Uh do you think this game now is worth the $70? I think I think I, do. I think every game is worth as much as you want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I'm not the I think I think certain games are probably worth $100 and I think some games probably deserve to be $100. And this is something we can probably explore on an expansion pass, right? And but like I think uh, I think there's a large scale that people are going to I think companies are actually I mean they're already exploring it with like gold editions or uh you know the super deluxe ultra fiery pro edition of game X, right? And I think I think you're already seeing that with games uh, just to get people to get DLC early or certain skins or I mean the early access model right that Microsoft and certain other companies are doing right like if you pay 10 extra dollars or get the you know uh, Redfall has that expansion pass that if you buy it you get it three days early and then you get all the DLC and it's like 40 bucks right yeah so oh well i still get the game for free on game pass but uh i don't get to play it early yeah i get to play it early and i get this uh dlc that's cool because game pass was shoot that kind of gears 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 five i think that too yeah yeah like people got to play it early because it's on game pass but if you bought it like yeah if you bought the gold edition it was 20 bucks it like it was 20 dollars more and you got to play it like three or four days early. That's how Hogwarts Legacy was too. Where if you bought the eighty dollar version instead of the seventy dollar version, you got it three or four days early. So, I mean, they yeah. threw in some skins and stuff that I didn't care about, but I still bought it early so I could talk about it. But amazing game too, if by it, the way. But if it's seventy dollars to keep it from being games as a service, then absolutely pay a hundred dollars to not have it turn into like. I can I can pay monthly fees to get new outfits for Link to run around in. Like, yeah, pay 120 to not have to deal with that nightmare of like missing stuff or yeah, and unique pay sequences just to get certain things. No thanks. Like you get for like 10 bucks a month, you can get extra screws and bolts and stuff to create your Optimus Prime Link mech. Like no, yeah, I'm yeah, we haven't even factored in any of. We haven't even factored in any of the NSO stuff, like expansion pass, like how they do free DLC. Like, if I mean, do I bet we you think get, that's going to happen. I bet you get certain things for subscribing. I don't know if you are. I don't know if it, I bet it's all cosmetic stuff. I don't think you're going to be able to like, oh, if you're an NSO subscriber, here's five hundred extra bolts and seventy extra fans for I'm, you to build. No, the, you know what I mean? Like, I bet I you know, get I'm like more. Remember the Switch T-shirt. About, from <laughs> that you got for pre-ordering the game last time, yeah. like it's gonna be dumb stuff like that, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking more of how Mario Kart the waves of the DLC 
How'd you yeah. get it for free if you're an NSO member? I'm thinking of that. Uh, like if you get some expression stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I actually think Zelda might be too big to get stuff like that. I don't know. Like Hopefully. too, I, not too big, but too important, I would say, to be getting stuff like that. But I, I guess we'll find out. But, you know, I, uh, I just look, I just want the game to be good and I want the game to function and i i just i just want to enjoy myself for a couple months and just getting lost Mm -hmm. in this world right so we'll we'll see i i love breath of the wild it's one of my it's i mean any given day it's probably my favorite game of all time at, at one point or another uh i don't think it's perfect like a lot of people seem to think it is, but I do think it does a lot of great things. And I think it's a great foundation for the franchise moving forward. Um, and I hope, I really hope that tears of the kingdom is just as good or better because I would be pretty disappointed if it wasn't <laughs> right. You know, so a lot of expectations on this game. So we'll see what happens. Oh. All right. Uh, we're going to move on now to Pack Watch. Guess what? We have four games coming out this week, and they all come out on the 4th. So uh, hope you're ready. Grim Grimoire Once More from NIS America is coming. Grim Grimoire Once More brings a classic strategy adventure from Vanillaware into the present. Join aspiring mage Lilith Bland on her journey within the Silver Star Tower, a renowned academy for magicians. All is not what it seems inside the tower walls. Mysteries, monsters, and menacing menaces lurk about. Harness the power of magic to dispel the secrets hidden within the tower and discover the truth of the Silver Star Tower. I think this game looks very pretty. I don't remember this game being that good. I had it on PS2. Um, I, it, I went through that whole Vanillaware phase of like this and uh, Odin Sphere and then I got Muramasa on Wii, and uh, I love you know. Muramasa Blade. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to come back to Switch so bad. I wonder. I wonder. I mean, they ported it to Vita, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, Road ninety six mile zero from Digi Art and Ravens Court. Uh, Road ninety six mile zero is a native, uh, a narrative event. I almost said Native American adventure. Well, wow, that was uh, <laughs> a narrative adventure game. With a musical component created by Digi- Digix Art, uh, the French studio behind the successful Road 96, uh, 1111 Memories Retold, and five uh, and five Pegasus Awards winner, uh, published by Ravens Court. Players will alternate between the roles of Zoe and Cato, two teenagers with different backgrounds and beliefs. They live and explore White Sands, a luxurious condominium where. Patria's elite reside and where Cato's parents work. Zoe is one of the characters from Road 96. She comes from the rich side of the city and her father works for the government. Cato and character. Cato, a character from Lost in Harmony, lives in the less privileged area. They're good friends, but that could all change quite soon. Their journey in Road 96 Mile Zero will challenge their friendship and everything they believe in. They say money doesn't buy happiness nor friendship. These teens are dreamers and they're going to learn what where they belong. Will they remain friends? Oh, man, quite the description there. Game. 
Uh, I heard this is quite different from Road 96, though, so we'll see. Yeah, uh, I have Road 96 on my oh, my Series X. I just need to start it. I'm interested in that game. Yeah, Stephanie said that the game, like she played it at PAX and said the game was pretty different. So uh, if you're a fan of Road 96, don't go in expecting the same type of game. Although there are elements in there. So whatever. Uh, Sherlock Holmes, The Awakened remake from Frogwares. Experience a nerve-wracking Lovecraftian adventure rebuilt from the ground up with modern graphics and gameplay. Become Sherlock Holmes and find yourself at the heart of the terrifying Cthulhu mythos as, as you investigate a series of mysterious disappearances in Europe and the U.S. That, that Those two things don't seem like they go together. Hmm. Almost sounds like Mad Libs. Yeah. Hmm. Like, put a bunch of pronouns and nouns and verbs in there. Yeah. See what you get. Yeah. Sounds, uh, sounds like what they did. Uh, Batora Lost Haven from Team 17 also comes out this week. Uh, Batora Lost Haven is a choice-driven isometric action RP- uh, adventure with RPG elements and a unique duality system effect- uh, affecting combat, story, dialogue, puzzles, and endings that will make you question the meaning of sacrifice. So that would be the one I would circle on my list. Uh, that game looks really cool. It's very colorful. Uh, Daniel, you said it looked like a kind of like a top-down Xenoblade, which is exactly what it looks like. Yep. Oh. That would probably be the one on my list as well. The the Wizard School one, Grim Grimora. Yeah. Might have some interest just because that Wizard School thing is something I sometimes like, but yeah, it's I'm a, not sure about the other two. Uh, that it's it's pretty cool. I wouldn't. I would say Vanillaware games are all pretty quality. It just depends on. Mm-hmm. The, topic and the subject of the game that you know would pique your interest but they're they're all pretty solid games so i don't think you would go wrong with that and i think it's only 40 dollars too it's not a 60 dollar game so it's also a plus i mean unless you're trying to buy it physically then it might be a little bit more but that's the switch cartridge tax i'll get you ah anything for you ed um Sherlock Holmes not at this <laughs> no oh. uh even though that's that whole story uh about the developer and publisher is very interesting um nothing at this moment for this week there is like uh Metrovania that deals with rats and pirate ships um that I'm interested in um but for these guys um not not yet nothing for me for this week okay Fine. Um, all right. So time for our game fact. Advance. Although E3 is canceled this year, we cannot forget one of Nintendo's best presentations to date. No, it's not the Wii music demonstration from Miyamoto, but the AG Anuma uh, premiere of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild at E3 2014. Oh, my gosh. It was so good. Uh, at the time, it was only known as The Legend of Zelda for Wii U. But Anuma showed off the gorgeous set piece of the of Hyrule, where we got to see the art style uh, they were planning to use. Two years later, we got the first official gameplay reveal, a look at the world, and some of the encounters we would expect to see in the game. This when remember when we were I Ed we did we watch this together? I don't know if we knew each other at that point. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. And uh, like, no, I don't think we knew each other at that point. Two thousand fourteen. 
Yeah, I thought not, we did. No, I don't think so. It, you know what? I think it probably. We watched the game, the second one together, but we did not. Watch yes. It. And like, I think we actually went back and watched this originally or, you know, to talk about it at some point before the game came out. OK. Uh, like right before the game came out in 2017, when we were kind of like, that's all we talked about for like three months was this game. Uh, because, you know, the best time to start a podcast is when the Wii U is on its <laughs> way down. Um, so, but man, that original piece where like he's sitting in front of the game, like the gameplay, right? And kind of just talking about the way the game looks and like, oh, see that mountain over there? You can climb to it. And like, yeah, that was that era of games where like everybody was pointing to a mountain and saying, you can go there. Um, and like, like it went from like this still frame to like the you saw the grass start waving back and forth. Right. And then you see the clouds start moving overhead and like very slowly, piece by piece, the still image became just this moving picture. And then you see the goat kind of eating the grass in front of the horse and then you just see all the animals scatter and the music picks up and link like reels back on the horse and then you just see him get chased by the guardian through the forest and then he leaps off the horse and shoots the guardian you know we didn't know what it was at the time but he shoots the guardian arrow at the guardian it was man that trailer was really cool that was yeah that was the coolest thing Nintendo, I think. I would say top five coolest reveals that Nintendo has ever done. If not it, top three. It, it was so stylish. Uh, it's so action-packed. Because just like even that point where, you know, Link hits him with the, the Guardian with the arrow, and then he jumps up in that slow motion, it's happening. But it was just like the the movement of the animation and looking at it, it's just like oh my goodness this is what we're gonna be doing our this is kind of cut scenes that we're gonna get okay i'm mm-hmm. here for it yeah um it was it was really cool uh daniel did, do you remember this reveal for this game no i don't i think i didn't have a wii u mm, you're one of those people Although you guys kind of make me feel like i i, I missed out <laughs> but it kind of seems like a lot of people missed out. So yeah, you did Maybe miss I'm out. Good company as that goes. You did miss out, but luckily, all but like three or four of the most important Wii U games are on the Switch now. So really, you didn't really miss out. But so you got time to catch up. <sighs> Where is my Wind Waker and Twilight Princess game? It's coming. Nintendo is it? <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, uh, but you should look that up at some point. And just be, it's so it's so wonderful. It's such a cool reveal. Um, yes. Also, the Zelda for Wii U when they revealed the Wii U also top tier, but we never got that game, so you know, whatever I guess. Um, but yeah, all right, Ed, we're gonna I'm gonna shoot it back to you. All right, everybody, it's time for some questions in question block. Yes. I'm adding the questions from the Discord that we didn't add because there's so (laughs) many questions. 
Yes. So we're going to start with Geek Bro 27, which uh, when you guys see me next time on Nintendo Pop Block, I'm going to be actually meeting Jack. So we're going to be talking and hanging out. I'm so excited to meet him. Feel bad uh, for him. Sorry, Jack. I hung out with Ed once. It was uh, an experience. You know what? <laughs> he asked, what crazy weapon combinations are you looking forward to creating in Tears of the Kingdom? Definitely for me, I wish, I hope I could, you know, uh, create a bow. We have double axes on each side, like, or not an axe or like a saw or something, something metal, like a blade. Uh, and it looks like it came from Star Wars or something, uh, but it's like a, in bow shape. So that's what I'm, that's what I want. I wonder if you're going to uh, be able to fuse the Guardian stuff with man because that would be so cool like to start fusing like the just think of the combinations you could fuse like the guardian laser thing like the laser uh-huh. eye like if you could be able to pick that up with like i don't know ed's eating on the wrapping paper that's great audio ed thank you <laughs> um I, and stuff like that like i wonder how man that's gonna be so cool just to like there's so many co- there's so many possibilities. I'm just thinking of all the things you can pick up in Breath of the Wild and like if you fuse them together. What do you what do you what do you think, Daniel? What do you think? I don't know. Like again, it is so open. I kind of like the idea of like the pitchfork and the master sword like as like your final boss weapon, <laughs> like your final battle weapon going in with like your pitchfork like flailing. Like kind of like the example they did in the in the video where you have the like the pitchfork on the stick. Like, can you have like the master sword on a stick and just be like battling from a distance the whole time? Like that could be kind of cool. That'd be amazing. Like your final battle is like fought with like a six and a half foot pole between you and Ganon. Like that could have some appeal to me. Oh, that'd be so cool. Like I feel like it'll get funny quick. Yeah. I can't wait for all the YouTube videos of people just fusing a bunch of dumb stuff together. Yeah. Shoot. I wonder if you could make like Castlevania weapons. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. Like take the Guardian's arms uh, and put them on the stick and use it as like a whip. Um, that or do something like Ninja Gaiden where you can make like Ninja Swords. Like, not Ninja Swords. Uh, Ninja Stars, because I'm just like we didn't even talk about the if the Yigya clan is gonna or Yigyu uh, clan is gonna be in it. Like, what nonsense of weapons that we're gonna get from them? Like, do we make a banana gun? <laughs> like it was like Donkey Kong sixty four. Like, oh, no. <laughs> there's so much. There's Kong so much 64. nonsense. What'd you yeah. say? I said, you said Donkey Kong sixty four. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That game. Man, are you going to be able to make like jetpacks out of the fans? Like, that'd be cool. Although you can't really attach things to your back. Although you could put a fan on the shield, put your shield on your back. Oh, man. So you just kind of propel yourself forward. You don't even have to walk. Yeah. It walks for you. Yeah. That could be fun to try. Oh, man, that'd be so cool. Or, well, no, I guess you couldn't really. You could attach it to your shield, and then you could do the shield surfing thing, but then you're just kind of like hoverboarding around. 
That's going to be cool. Uh, yeah. It, goodness. There's going to be so many combinations and so many video game references. I can't wait to see it. Who's going to make a Mega Man blaster? Oh my goodness, if that happens, someone's going to make it and they're going to tell you how to make it. It's fine. Please tell me. I want to know. There's like a whole TikTok generation waiting to to craft these items nonstop. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, we our next question comes from uh, Seamus the Kids of Gamer. Shout out to him on Discord. Is Link going back in time in Tears of the Kingdom, or did he just feel like letting loose his hair? Uh, feel like letting his hair loose. Um, he felt like letting his hair loose. There's no time travel in this game. Yeah, I mean, I still think I still think there's going to be some sort of time element to this game besides the uh, besides the mechanic. But um, I don't know. I think he's just I think he's just letting it all out. I think he's just letting it go. I think that if there's not because in the video, he kind of hints that we're seeing Hyrule in a different way. Like, like geographically, things will be different. And I think without time travel or heavy explosions, that would be hard to achieve randomly. Mm-hmm. So I think that a shifting timeline or landscape could definitely be a factor here. Yeah. But as someone who's not normally a huge fan of time travel, beyond just little like little hops back and forth kind of makes me nervous because nailing time travel is very difficult. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Still very cool though. I want to go back in time. I want to see what Hyrule dinosaurs look like. Yeah. And if if it's done well, it'll be awesome. But (laughs) there's just that, that risk of it gets one, like it turns into Avengers Endgame kind of quick where it's just like science. That's the answer. We did science and that made time travel possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Exactly. You solved it. Ba- balance. You solved it. Well, uh, the one true Jays asks, will you still be just as excited for Tears of the Kingdom if it ultimately turns out there are no dungeons? Yeah, I'm still going to be. I'm excited when I got the first announcement of this game when they said it and the theories i'm like just go check out me of course the special passes how you know how excited i got the cory mentioned a trilogy and we talking about the possibilities of all of that happening so yeah just because it don't have dungeons doesn't stop it for being a anticipated game for me like i i really don't care if it doesn't have dungeons uh or anything you know i yeah i mean oh, that at that point, like I, I just if they don't have dungeons, I just hope whatever their divine beast kind of uh, influenced bigger areas like that, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're gonna get a bunch of sh- new shrines and stuff, which are cool. But like, mm-hmm. whatever their divine beast substitute is in here, I hope they're better than the divine beast because, like, I really thought that the divine beasts were the weakest part of Breath of the Wild, hundred yeah. percent. I I didn't mind them, but they were pretty samey and they were pretty like 
you know, pretty, I don't want to say simple, Decent but puzzles. I, yeah, but I mean, like they weren't, there's nothing memorable about them, right? Like the way you think about things from Ocarina or Twilight Princess or Wind Waker, like you could pinpoint dungeons from those games and be like, man, that is a classic Zelda dungeon. There's nothing classic yeah. about these divine beasts except for the way they look on the outside, right? Like, I just, I hope, I hope we get some sort of more involved, interesting dungeon mechanic that is more than just like flipping some switches and playing with the gears and, and lighting fires and stuff. Well, you know what I mean? Like I want, I do <clears throat> want the traditional Zelda dungeons, but I don't think we're going to get them, unfortunately. So just make whatever the divine beast substitutes are just more interesting. Mm-hmm. I think that those, the dungeons are such a strong part of the history of the games mm-hmm. that it's, they're slowly evolving what what Zelda games are, kind of like what they did with Fire Emblem, where it's slowly evolved over time. Where like they release Engage that has a lot of the classic, more Fire Emblem features. That it's like, will it just continue to adapt with these like open world Legend of Zelda stories, and then at some point they'll just drop a sequential dungeon style game again after it's been a while and they've kind of pushed the brand farther than it originally was kind of idea. If that makes sense. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Uzmania asks, would the Mario movie spark the beginning of a Nintendo cinematic universe? Oh my gosh. I hope not possible. Just, just stop. No, we don't need any more cinematic universes. Just make a movie. That's good. Okay. Stop with the cinematic universe stuff. I'm tired. I mean, we are kind of already have a cinematic Nintendo universe with Smash Brothers, even though there's not a cartoon or movie and stuff. Um, but I, I feel like there's a possibility, but I'm like, it depends on what movies Nintendo decided to bring out and how that would relate to the Mario series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anything else? I mean... I kind of feel like they're going to lean that way. Also, Seth Rogen already kind of confirmed that a Donkey Kong movie is in the works. And Anya mm-hmm. Taylor-Joy in an interview this week said that she wants a crossover with the Zelda movie that we don't know about yet. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I I kind of think it's already happening. I don't really care if it happens or not, but I it's happening. It's happening, guys. Just Just prepare yourself. It's happening. And, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Daniel? That crossover with Detective Pikachu is going to be insane. Yeah. But, um, it's going to be like that yeah, Chip and Dale movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I need it to be a cinematic universe. I think, mm-hmm. best case scenario, it ends up having a few good movies and then it, kind of gets weird pretty quick um but yeah i will I say like... i i want a like dark anime of fire emblem like i yeah. I, I would love to see that in the movie theater i'm happy to get more movies around it i just don't need it to all be the same thing like i don't need yeah. like the the post credit scene of the mario movie to have marth stumble out 
of a pile of mushrooms or something and be like, hey, guys, <laughs> what what's going on? Like, I don't I don't need that. Yeah. I can't see that being something I'd like to see. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> and Stephanie K asks, what would you like to see in the post credits of the Nintendo movie? Wart. Yeah, I agree. Wart. What's the name of the little wood guy from uh, Super Mario RPG? Uh, uh, what's his name? I'll have to look it up. So the Gino, thing, right? Gino. So the thing about that is, is that they would actually have to have Square Enix present that to them. Like no. or allow them to uh be used like a license thing because uh Gino is Square Enix uh Square Soft I should say uh property not oh, Nintendo so dumb why are those characters split up like that Ugh. no just like let for the the sake of a post credit thing just let him be in there have Paul Rudd voice him or something just ha- like throw oh some God. voice yeah. just have him show up have a few lines they don't have to go anywhere with it just. I think it'd be really cool to see him, especially since he's like folklore at this point. <laughs> That'd be cool. I, I, I'd be surprised if he is like an Easter egg in a movie. You really missed an opportunity to say Yoshi egg. Ah. Boo. Yeah. Boo will probably be in the game too, or in the movie too. You're right. <laughs> but what? <laughs> I could probably see that happening. Well, there's already oh, five thousand air- songs in Mario Kart. Why wouldn't a boo be in the game in the movie? That is true. Maybe they're saving uh, a boo for the HBO Max series. You're right. Boo's. Oh, clues. they also could do. They also could bring Mario Brothers. That was on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. That could be. Uh, by the way, speaking of speaking of old stuff, did you see? I got fooled by Nintendo Life on their April Fool's thing when they said there is a Zelda CDI collection being remastered for the Switch. I got kind <laughs> of excited, and then I was like, "Oh, this!" I forgot April Fools was still a thing. That's the worst yeah. thing in the world. I I completely laughed at that. I'm like, "That's never going to happen." Oh, I got fooled. I thought so it was a great idea. I agree with you. I, I thought that'd be fun. Why not? I think in terms of a historical preservation perspective especially because like those games are so hard to come by at this point that like i think it would totally be super interesting to see something like that but also like (sighs) those games are not very good what if you package those three games and the animated series together in one package sign awful collection how quickly that would sell out i know I know. Uh, anyways, before we get too far down the path of Wand of Gamelon or the face of evil, get me out of here. Ugh. Get me out of here. <laughs> well, everybody, that's going to be it for Nintendo Power Block. Um, have a great week. Have a great weekend. Uh, and we will see you next time on Nintendo Power Block. Bye, everybody. Woohoo! Bye. Nintendo Power Block is a product of Boss Rush Media, LLC, and is recorded from our headquarters in Akron, Ohio. The show is hosted by me, Edward Varnell, 
My co-hosts are Corey Derrick and Cordy Yikes. You can find Corey at I am Corey in HD on Twitter and Instagram, as well as hosting the Buzzfish Podcast and Tower Casuals, the Destiny Podcast. You can find Cordy at Cordy underscore Yikes on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. You can find me at that Retrico on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Nintendo Powerblock on all social media platforms at Powerblock Podcast. You can also follow Boss Rush Media and Boss Rush Network on all major social media platforms. Join the Boss Rush Network, Discord, and Facebook groups to interact with other friends and fans. Visit BossRush.net for more great content and Patreon.com slash BossRushMedia to learn how you can support this show. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.